0: Welcome back to the Everyday People Podcast. My name is Vebhav and thank you so much for listening in. This is the third episode of this podcast and if you've never heard one before, know that it is perfect for driving, cleaning or doing other mundane tasks. You get to enjoy a conversation and also get insight from someone else. And speaking of getting insight, there's a lot to learn from today's guest. Today I speak to Mr. Arun Jagannathan, who is an entrepreneur and English teacher ...who started a coaching company called Crack Verbal in Bangalore. Fun fact, he was the first person I interviewed in this audio format. That is, I called him and I recorded the phone call. And we spoke for about 35 minutes and I got to hear his inspiring story... ...of how he was an entrepreneur on the side for 10 years. He started a career in IT, decided it wasn't really for him... ...and started doing this training and teaching business on the side... And ultimately, it became big enough that he moved to Bangalore and he decided to make it his full-time career. Listen in to this conversation for how he feels about the Indian education system, his advice for young entrepreneurs, and his love for teaching and coaching. I hope you enjoy this conversation and I'll be waiting for you on the other side. Uh, So hi, thanks for taking this call. How are
1: you, man?
2: Good brother, so I, I just wanted to know, in this I'll be telling you my background, but I just wanted to know your, like, what's, what did you do?
1: I'm sorry, can you, uh, I couldn't catch that. You kind of what, what
2: uh, I'm just saying, you know, what have you been doing and uh, what, what's your background? Just wanted to know a little bit more.
1: So I'm a tech writer. I'm actually a professional okay. writer and my day job is at Oracle. Uh, I just do these okay. for, I do these interviews for like, As a side project on my blog, just to showcase people, their lives and to say that, you know, everybody leads an interesting life and to give that sort of inspiration that. um, Great. Yeah, sorry. Something very interesting, so
2: cool. I just want to, uh, I had uh, Ratna tell me, Mm -hmm. so I said, yeah, sure, you know, we're not, so interesting that you're able to. You know, at least take your interest and do something about it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, normally I just ask five questions, but I'll, I do that in a text format. So, this is the first time I'm doing an audio thing. I thought maybe we'll just talk and we'll see where it goes sure. and then I'll condense it into five later. Sure. Uh, so, I always start with uh, who are you, what do you do, and what is your current side project? So, let's let's go there. Like, uh, sure. I, I don't know you and... Anybody who will be listening right. to this won't know you. So right. who are you and what do you right. do? Great. Right.
2: So, um, so I think I'll just, um, you know, probably uh, start with the background. So I actually, um, you know, if you at correct from my experience, my education, so, I actually, uh, so I'm a Tamil, but I grew up in Gujarat. Okay. So my father had a transferable job, so. Growing up in Gujarat, uh, you know, I, see, I was a kid who, uh, you know, was in college in the late 90s, Mm. right? And late 90s, there was this whole buzz saying, you know, hey, you have to get into the IT bandwagon. Yeah. So in some sense, you could say I was ill-advised because my talent and my passion clearly did not lie in technology. Mm. But, you know. Mood, like you know you don't go and tell like a you know 20 something that know okay, uh, what is your passion what is your strength it's, it's all unheard of man those days so you know it was basically survival of the fittest right right so I got into so I did my then I did my NCA. but what happened is when I was doing the NCA itself I realized that uh, you know computers wasn't really something that I liked and you know, in, in like, this, this is a natural thing. Um, I used to like to uh, teach uh, uh, people, right? Like I used to teach my classmates. I used to teach, you know, um, juniors. So I had this knack of condensing fairly tough technical stuff into, you know, uh, easier uh, human consumable, uh, right. you know, data. So it so happened that... Um, you know, I also got an opportunity to teach computers for the first time. And uh, one of my friends, uh, he had that. Uh, there used to be this company called tech, Okay. And they used to run this course uh, called some, some B-Tech from British Columbia. I, I didn't even know where the hell British Columbia was. So I thought hmm. maybe it's somewhere in Europe or someplace. But uh, so they had this up uh, There was Canadian university and strategic databases. Right. So, though I like teaching, I hated companies, right? So, I was like, man, this is stuff that I, I like doing, but, you know, it's really not stuff that I like. Um, but when I was uh, teaching, I also realized that I was good at standardized tests. See, all these NCA, MBA interns, right? right? Then, I was preparing for it. So, I was good at standardized tests. So, I thought, okay, you well, know, why don't I teach, but why don't I teach standardized tests? So and stuff, and uh, I applied to this uh, chat coaching company called IMS. Okay. And, uh, you know, this lady looks at my resume and says, well, I hope you're not a paper tiger. I remember this. It was, because I had written all these, you know, essay competitions and debates and this and that that I've won. So when I actually went in front of the class and I took a class, uh, that's when I, uh, I know, mean, I, I did it. So they started giving me more classes. And I kind of got into this whole uh, uh, teaching space. Right? Yeah. Um, but when I was a small place, I used to take a class, seven, like, post-IMS I went to another place called Career Launcher. Okay. And uh, I used to teach, my passion was sets. I used to teach 7 to 9 in the morning. Then I used to actually go to my office, work, and then, you know, in the evening just go home, change clothes, come back 7 to 9. Uh, batch in the evening, and then I would have doubt solving from 9 to 10, 10, 30 Right. Know? And I would actually pull the shuffle down, you know, lock and uh, come back. I, I actually had a key for the center. That's the kind of uh, motivation, passion I have to teach you. But I never thought it's like full-time, right? It's, it's always something that you did on the side, you did more as a part-time. Uh, mm. So, I, I came to Bangalore, so once I came to Bangalore, mm. Uh, Again, so my biggest problem coming to Bangalore was for a guy growing up in Baroda, Uh tend to look at Bangalore as this place where, you know, average communication is slightly better, right? Yeah. So initially my confidence was a little low, saying, hey, you know, I've taught people, right? But in Bangalore, but fortunately I got a couple of gigs and, um, you know, I kind of started teaching in Bangalore. Mm Mm-hmm. So this was the time that uh, there was an online forum called Pagal Guy, right? So Pagal Guy used to be uh, pretty big back then. I'm not sure right now what is the status. So I was involved in, I used to give advice to people online and somewhere I made this transition from CAT coaching to GMAT coaching. It right. happened around 2005. And I started teaching at uh, Kaplan in Bangalore. Mm-hmm. And I used to give advice to students. So, at some point, I said, because my day job also, you know, started getting a little hectic. I said, this is like, you know, too much. I don't think I'll be able to handle this. So, I actually quit teaching. Yeah. But uh, because of father guy, because of this, this is talking about 2006. Okay. I had a lot of students come up to me and say, hey, you know, why don't you just uh, help us? You know, why don't you teach us uh, Gina? And right. I said, sure, you know, my So we used to meet at this place called Airlines Hotel. It was off Lavalier Road.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, the good thing about that place is, you know, waiters don't come and bother you. You just, you know, you ask for coffee. It's like the Starbucks of the 90s, right? Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, people not come and you just order and stuff. So I used to call students and I, since I was a verbal faculty, uh-huh. And uh, the reason I become a verbal faculty is also because, see, in the industry, you get one faculty very easily. Right. But you don't get verbal faculty.
3: Right.
2: So, to teach both quantum verbal, I predominantly started. And uh, that's where, you know, people, uh, you know, made me a verbal faculty. So I used to have these sessions where I would tell, I'm going to teach you how to crack verbal. Right. And uh, that's where, you know, then started with, you know, crack, verbal, as mm-hmm. you know, the two two words that came together. But then you, something for, and then these things are usually, usually, like, three to four hours. Right. And, uh, you know, endless coffee, like, right, so, take okay, you know, at the end of it. So, and I started seeing that people, for free, they started having this, you know, like, they would say, come up, right? Yeah. So once I remember I called, you know, about eight people were supposed to come and two people And I said, screw yeah, I don't want to do it. It's like, you know, people are not even respecting your, and then, and then someone said, why don't you, which is like, you know, because you three hours, you're it more than us. You have enough content to teach the whole day. Right. So, like a workshop where you teach them and you charge some money for it. Right. So the first workshop that we conducted in 2006, we essentially said, i teach you everything that I know about Gina verbal. And um, the, the, the session of the program was really called Crack Bubble. right? That's how the name came.
3: Yeah.
2: And I created a website. Those days, you know, I had a Yahoo um, startup pack of some crap which <laughs> helped you create a very simple HTML.
3: Yeah.
2: So I created a website and uh, I didn't have a hotel. It's going to cost me um, 300 rupees per head. That's the number that I got. for mm-hmm. so two days, it's 600 rupees. And uh, they had a minimum commitment of uh, 15 people. Okay. So I said 9,000 rupees is the damage that possibly can happen. Right. I set the price uh, of the course at 3,000. And mm-hmm. I said if four people turn up, it's a profit If three people turn up, it's breaking. Okay. Yes. Then I advertised my network and eventually I got about six people. Okay. Funny so, uh, side note. <laughs> I know Ratna from back then. Okay. But I told her that look, if people don't come and you know, it's an embarrassment for me, you just come over and I'm not going to charge you anything. And I just wanted more people to come, right? Because
1: people want. Yeah. So, I mean, business aside, one thing, but like, even if you are offering a service and then you want somebody there at least to consume the service. Right. Correct. Mm.
2: Right. So, I had about six. People in the first batch, and that kind of gave me the, you know, twist in the arm. Yeah. So I used to conduct these uh, workshops once in a while. I used to mention my network, my brand, you know, people that I, to spread the word in Bangalore. And soon enough, I started seeing people coming from Hyderabad. I saw people coming from Chennai. Correct? So mean it became a little more of um, this. But, Fortunately, unfortunately, I had to uh, travel as part of my work. To, so, since I was traveling, I couldn't uh, obviously attend to class. So, right. 2007, 2008, pretty much went stuff like that. Uh, 2009, I said, you know, enough of this kind of thing. Go ahead and uh, let me, you know, restart um, things. So, I restarted in 2009. What I realized is the people were not. No, I'm not going to remember stuff that happened two years ago. Yeah. Two years was a long time. So, this time I went to advertised, and earlier I would say, i people, but this time I was not getting in, because it is home right? Right. So, then I said, okay, enough of this. I had to make it more consistent. I started doing more batches. So, in 2009, I think we did about six batches the whole year. Okay. We started getting 10, 20, 15 students. That's the first time we broke the two-digit mark. <laughs> okay. And uh, this time, you know, the, so earlier we had 3000 So now I realized that uh, the more you charge, the more premium of the brand billets. You know? Yeah. So I used to charge them 9000 Okay. And it was uh, two days. I made it into four days. And all of this was in a hotel. I didn't have any office. I mm-hmm. didn't you know, uh, kind of staff, so to speak. Yeah. So sometimes I would actually uh, have one of my friends come over. Uh, just tell them that, look, you know, it looks odd that this guy too, but this take money, this guy is also, you know, doing everything else because I was a one-man show. So, I also got my wife involved, so she started to me uh, you know, she right. and things like that. So, 2010, it so happened that she had an opportunity to you work know, with uh, and uh, start this full time. So, okay. 2010, she basically took the plunge, and uh, she started doing the business. Because with my full-time job, you know, the other thing is, uh, I was a delivery manager for a CRM product company, right? Okay. And uh, I had project managers reporting to me, so you can understand the hierarchy, right? So, right. you have the, you know, technical guys, the uh, project managers who would report to me. And okay. here was, you know, sometimes making calls, People with you know one or two years' experience mm-hmm. and resources, uh, and they basically work well, people Tell me, hey, I don't have time, can you call me later?
3: Yeah,
2: and uh, it's frustrating, right? Because when you're starting off, the last thing you want is man, look, listen, me, you know, I'm, 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 I'm telling and I'm taking out time helping you, right? Don't interact like this, but see, uh, one thing that you learn as an entrepreneur, which is you know, when you start off. You are everything, right? Right. I was we you are the chief you are the chief plumber, right? You are the chief, mm-hmm. the chief garbage man. Right. So, you know, that's that's a very humbling experience, and I think any entrepreneur should go through that phase. So, then uh, you know, 2010, we actually set up first sort of process because we realized that we are having these month, and it didn't make sense to rent out a hotel. Cost-wise, it wasn't working out. So we have this small office in San Road, first office And uh, I quit my job for time in 2011. Right. Um, 2011, we the you know, was the time when we really took off. 2011 to, I would say, 2011-2012 was the period of uh, consolidation. Right. So, in terms of turnover, we caused one CR in 2030. Right. right, in terms of turnover. From there, you know, over the last five, six years, it's, it's been a journey, you know, where growth is measured not just in terms of revenue, but growth is also measured in terms of the impact that you are able to create, right? Right. And huh. uh, personally, for me, you know, it's always things that uh, I have and keep doing so that's that's pretty much the whole journey
1: that's pretty amazing man for like from uh you know being in Baroda and then not only having a day job but then seven to nine you're teaching and then seven to nine again in the evening you're teaching that requires a level of yeah. commitment it is pretty amazing um so y- your company is Crack verbal uh, do do you guys provide now entire gmat coaching or are you still like uh is there a right. focus on verbal
2: what has happened is uh, we have decided consciously not to change the name. So okay. We continue with the crack Mobile name. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at it, uh, we added Quant to it, and we now have GR. And mm-hmm. we also have added Admission Services. Right. So, G R E and Admission Services, we mm-hmm. are three pillars of our uh, you know business today. And uh, people look at it, hey, you know, Craft Mobile, so, hey, tell me something about it. But apart from that people are not saying, Oh, these guys are not into farmers. The name itself it's like traffic coffee day, correct? Yeah. So if you go there you know you'll get but they, you know. They they just get the name. So in some sense that's that's the way it's worked.
1: Right? Yes, yeah, so it, it's become like a brand as as companies tend yeah. to become Right. So it, it's pretty serendipitous that we talk today because I've been recently introduced to the idea of uh, you know, taking GMAT and going abroad to study right. very recently. And so I right. gave a couple of mock exams and I got 660 right. and 680 on, right. uh, without any preparation whatsoever. <laughs> so in your right. in your professional opinion, do you think I need coaching or should I just practice on my own and then just go off and give the exam? See,
2: uh, what happens is uh, when you take the test and then you figure out what your scores are, Mm-hmm. You reach a point where you realize that uh, A, whatever I have to figure out, i have figure it out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I know how to get to that 760 mark, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that's option A. Option B, I'm doing everything, but somewhere I'm missing out something. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm unclear why my scores are not going up, and, you know, I really... So, I would recommend coaching for people who are in the second uh, category. Right. So, at some point, because see, mm-hmm. the school average course shooting up, mm-hmm. you are looking at as high a gymnast score as possible. Yeah. The days of saying 700 SSA score is gone. Right. So, that's where, you know, you need to figure out whether you are able to catch, get there by yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get 360 by themselves, right? I mean, it's not that they everyone goes for coaching. Yeah. So that's that's the, uh, one thing. I think it's also in terms of discipline. So I think uh, people who end up uh, studying by themselves, they don't have the discipline. Sometimes t- signing up for a course gives mm-hmm. you see the discipline and gives you see the you know kind of rhythm, right?
1: Right. So,
2: so that's, that's what I would say.
1: Mm, I understand. So I'll come back to education later because it's a core part of your life. But uh, I just wanted to ask quickly, are you doing something on the side beyond your attention on Crackverbal? Now, this can be a personal right. development project for you or it can be a side business right. or whatever. Do you have something right. that's demanding a lot of your attention right now other than yeah. your work? So
2: I did whatever went to a large extent, a large extension you know, of crack verbal. But, uh, last year, I had one of my friends from Baroda, mm-hmm. and we were discussing about this whole thing that how English has been something that has helped us uh, grow yeah. careers, and um, she said, you know, that why don't we get into teach English, right? Right. So, we started uh, our venture, English for India. Right. Now, English for India is actually a venture where we approach corporates, and we help them train their staff, which is usually a customer fee. Uh people who are typically 10th, 12th past right. and we teach them functional English, right? Conversational English. We give them the confidence to speak, to how to approach a customer, so on and so forth. Right. So we have got Yuma as our customer. We have got Food Hall, which is a gourmet food uh, speciality um, store. Hmm. Uh, we are now going to be... Uh, for a 5 start hotel in the hospitality sector. Uh, we have had the uh, glass sector. So we've got a few very good clients uh, at the start. And I'm like, you know, kind of going off back to, uh, I like, started Crackfable, right? Mm. So now I'm the, I'm the person who's actually rolling up the sleeves, doing things. So what had happened in factable to a large extent, the team was so good that things So I had less to do. And right. um, this is where you know english for india has really come at a good point where it kind of rejuvenates regionate, when you do something you know, all over again hmm. so
1: helpful yeah, so to speak that's that's very nice man so i'm i'm getting a sense of who you are as a person where i'm getting like okay you know you enjoy teaching and it's a big portion of your life where even your side venture is related to teaching and then you're an entrepreneur you enjoy the Uh, aspects of getting your hands dirty and, you know, really getting into it, which is pretty good. So uh, my next question to you is about the state of teaching in India. So since, like, you are in that industry, uh, we know, like, it's generally accepted now that education is extremely important. Um, Do you feel that there is a certain uh, knowledge gap or a training gap for teachers uh, mm-hmm. In high schools and colleges today Like for me, for example mm-hmm. For me, uh, a lot of Indian colleges That I've like, had experiences with uh, They tend to behave more like Schools where, you know uh, Teachers are still treating students like children And then therefore the students never Learn to become adults So that's that has been on my mm-hmm. mind recently So in that context, do you feel like there's a Certain uh, Rehaul that we need to do of the Indian education System, or do you think it can be salvaged From what we have right now?
2: big question because this is obviously something that I hold very dear because I see I am a teacher right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I have a uh, daughter and I have told my daughter that you know, uh, if someone asks, tell them I am an English teacher. Right. right. So what happens is uh, you know there is a certain stigma attached to the fact that someone is a teacher. Right. And this comes from the fact that uh, Generally, um, you know, respect in India, fortunately and unfortunately, is given to people who have money. Yes. Okay. So I would respect you if you are like a, you know, like you are doing something, un- but you are making money. People will respect you. Yes. Right? But if you don't make money, you are like a loser. So I think uh, when I started teaching, if you if you kind of look at it, uh, one of the biggest challenges, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. So confronting this reality, correct? because when you are in corporate, what happens is uh, you have a team, you have a visiting card with a title. Yeah. Now you take that visiting card away, you take the title away, and you cannot take all the traps, the thoughts of it, correct? Right. And you know, you suddenly are a teacher, you go in front of a class, and uh, you're teaching them. Okay. I respect for teachers or my respect for, let me rephrase it, my respect for good teachers, right, Right. is, 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 this has always been there. So I said, okay, you know, since I'm a good teacher, people respected me, you know, people never came and said, oh, you're a delivery manager, suddenly you're a teacher, Hmm. right? Nobody, even my ex-colleagues, you know, they've always admired what I did. Nobody has really made me feel that, oh, you know, you're doing less important work. So what I also other part-time faculty that we have at CrackPobl, consciously I try to attract people who are like me. Mm. Right? So today if you see the other faculty at Crackable, be it the people who are in-house, uh, you know, there is Aditya, there is you there are people who are very accomplished. See, they can get a job in the corporate world any time. Okay? Yeah. They are so good. But they have willingly quit that life and they have, you know, kind of uh, to teach. Right. Same so, thing for so. the part time faculty we have. So, when you have very high quality faculty, right? Mm. Because according to me, that's what I set as the standard. is going to join a crack mobile today because we've got a fancy app, right? Right. Uh,
1: they're coming because the the they're good teachers. Teach
2: they are good teachers, correct? Yeah. So I think what's happened is uh, you should have that pride, you know, that being a faculty at Crackbubble, so we routinely get people from ISB. Right. And our ratio of selection is by 10. With 10 people who apply with a great GMAT score mm-hmm. and with a great pedigree, one person gets it. So you can imagine it's a very tough process to be a faculty at Crackbubble, and that's what we make people aware of. You right. It is. So, you know, hey, you know what, not everybody can be a teacher, correct? Okay. Everybody can be a software engineer, but not everybody can be a teacher. So, the moment you create that thing, and it's not about money, right? I think respect of the is more important than money. I think that's where, you know, we'll have to change because in India, what happens if you look at it, anybody who can speak a little well,
3: right?
2: mm-hmm. why would you want to be a teacher, yeah. He is going and joining a call center or he's going and joining a you know, there are so many jobs available for so people who right. can speak well. So teachers are not getting the respect. So I think first that has to change and teach have to be put on a pedestal, correct? Right? That's according to me is the only way to change things. Money to a to some extent can, but I, I don't think it's a long term solution.
1: Right. Ultimately it's you to bring respect back to teaching, you have to put respect in That's ultimately the solution. Right. I see, so it's very convoluted in that sense. Okay, so I'll, yeah, I'll move on to another aspect, hmm. uh, a different question then for uh-huh. you. As an entrepreneur, now currently hmm. the, the Bangalore scene for entrepreneurship is very high. It's become like a meme almost that every 100 feet you'll find right. a company and an entrepreneur. So, right. that can only mean, does that, is is there, is there any problem with entrepreneurship becoming a fad? Or do you think there's only good things there because new companies reinvigorating the economy and it's just some, everybody right. trying something new? What What is your uh, right. opinion on the current entrepreneurship trends in the country?
2: Right. Uh, if you realize I am in Gen X, right, Generation X is... Yes. Uh, the one before millennials, correct? Right. Uh, I think fundamentally, if you look at it, I wanted to teach, I started teaching in 2001, mm. right? I quit my full-time job in 2011. Yes. And in those 10 years, I had hundreds of hours of teaching experience. I had a very inside view of how coaching works, correct? Right. I was involved in, you know, the marketing and sales. And I used to give advice to uh, wherever I used to teach. But it took me ten years before I had the con quit my job. Really knew my trade, right? Right. I knew the tools of the trade. I was very, very, very good at it, correct? Right. What uh, I see is so probably quit in two thousand five and I've done this full time, right? Right. But what I see now is a lot of people getting into entrepreneurship for the of glamour of it. Right? Right. What for me was like, you know, a fear has turned into be a glamour for a lot of people, you know, the Mm -hmm. millennial. One of the things, one of the problems with that is, uh, or rather there are two problems with that. One is, you know, you really don't know whether that's really your passion, correct? Correct. So you pick up an idea just because a friend thinks that it's a good idea and you cannot discuss and you start off and, you know. See what happens when you start something where you're when you really don't have that when you don't have your heart in it is the moment things go wrong. Okay, it's really yeah. easy to quit. Yeah. Right. You 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 of quit. So I think that's what is happening. Where a lot of people trying six months, one year, and they quit. And very honestly, if I if you look at my first six months or one year, you know you would have said I should have quit. Okay. Right? Right. So I think first, I'm not sure that are nothing for passion. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it took me 10 years to make things look effortless, right? right? A lot of hard work that went in, into making something an overnight. Okay. So I think, you know, it, it also has a certain level of commitment, which I'm not very sure that a lot of people are willing to do, Right. right? Uh, just hard work, right? Just learning digital marketing can take, you know, and you're out of your comfort zone, right? So I think these are the two reasons why I feel uh, a lot more startups are shutting down. I think, you know, this whole concept of a startup is, you know, starting up on your own Mm -hmm. and persevering it, using your passion, using your skills, putting in your hard work, that, I would say, is probably 20%, 80% of it is millennials who are bored with their day job, right? Mm. And they just feel that entrepreneurship is cool. Right. And, you know, the coolness quotient goes off very, very fast. In about two months, you realize it's, it's not that cool, right. right? So that's where I think there, is, there, is, there has to be some education, some amount of awareness that, hey, you know. If you are missing an entrepreneurship, here is a good side, here is a bad side, you need to do your math, you need to understand what is before you make the plunge.
1: Right, but then would you say that the only way to know if you want to be an entrepreneur is to be an entrepreneur because uh, our, our education and training doesn't really gear people towards entrepreneurship. It's, it's more to train people as workers or you know join as an employee, our school system yeah. set up to make you an employee. Uh, So, would you say that entrepreneurship, even though it might be a fad, is a good thing because people have to try entrepreneurship to know if it's for them or not?
2: So, what I usually tell people who are looking at entrepreneurship is, uh, what would you do if you were to be an entrepreneur? What is it that you would do tomorrow morning? Yeah. Can you tell me what your day is going to look like? If they're not able to answer this question, I tell them, don't forget. Right. You should get. You should see today moonlighting side hustles very widely accepted. Correct. Correct. So continue with your full-time job, have that monetary whatever backup, right, and then uh, and then moonlighting.
1: To doing so, what okay, so I'll, I, I'll adjust go, it, yeah. uh, I'll adjust the question for you. Then uh, let's make it direct. Okay. If you had to give three key pieces of advice to young entrepreneurs what would they be? Yeah. And I, I'm guessing your first one is keep your day job and then work on the side.
2: Yeah, I would say keep your day job, work on the side and uh, try, you know, kind of doing various things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my first thing. Uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, in terms of, in fact, actually I said earlier, right? So second thing is pick what is your passion, right? Right. Um, so there is this online st- uh, just called Strength Finder. Right. Okay. See, uh, no matter what people say, build on your weaknesses. Right. You know what was the most terrible part of being in IT? It is waking up every day morning with the realization that I'm going to lead a life of mediocrity. Yes. No? Because I was probably not the quote I would have never been the best code. So all the effort. You see nobody wakes out of bed saying that today I'm going to live an average life. Correct. Right? Yeah, nobody. And did. you can have an exceptional life just by only when you are things that you're really, really passionate about, things that you're really good at, Correct. Right? Right. So I think uh, there is this, uh, what, uh, where you have these uh, overlapping circles, right? right. One is, you know, things that you're good at, things that you're passionate about, things that can earn you money, and things that the world wants. Right. and all of these four circles when they kind of converge is when you really have like, you know, yes, correct? Right. So that would be my second advice, right? Mm-hmm. And the third advice is I think you uh, have uh, to be constantly learning new things, correct? Right. Uh, have the confidence to know things and you know, say what you know. But at the same time, have the humility to know that you don't know everything. Correct? Correct. So, even today, I'm constantly learning, right? So, I attended uh, a, a session from another trainer, and I was just noticing how she able to engage the audience, and I was just making mental notes to myself, saying I have to improve what I'm doing. Right. So, at no point, even after a um, of teaching, I am still learning how to teach better, correct? Correct. So. You're constantly figuring out your idle thinking, I angle, everything. So I think that's the third, you know, uh, you probably need to cultivate.
1: Okay, so that's that's pretty amazing. Like these are standard. So some of them are like common advice, but then when you uh, when you put it through the funnel of uh, you know your experience, I think it comes across better. So thank you for okay. giving that advice. My last question to you is: um, Is there anything that you want to directly address the audience with? Now, this you can you can plug verbal here, or if not, if you want to, uh, you know, give a sort of piece of content or an idea, you want to direct people somewhere. Uh, where would you direct them? And you can directly address the audience here. Great.
2: Okay. So I think uh, one thing is, you know, if you look at uh, the motto of Krakowin, uh, mm-hmm. it's meant, like, right? So I think a lot of times I've had students who have wanted to do something, especially uh, they of working. Uh, they want to do uh, their master's or they want to do an MBA, right? And uh, some that feel people limit themselves, but uh, I think, you know, uh, my goal is to help students reach the maximum of their potential, right? either to GMAC, or GRE, right? And I think that uh, there are a lot of myths that uh, there is in the market which says, you know, oh, doing an MBA is very really expensive or the H1 visa is, you know, so bad that you can't job in the U.S. So I think there are a lot of myths, but uh, what I would really advise them to do is there is a profile evaluation that we do okay and I can probably give you that link so people should evaluate that profile we do a free one-on-one counselling where it's more of career counselling but we actually help answer this question right that do you need it because today the world is about upskilling okay yeah. and just being a graduate may not be enough to cut you know as you go up your career
3: right
2: if I think if you think higher education is there for you and you would like to explore that, I can probably do a, uh, you know, we can do a consultation where we can help you with what your goals should be and how to get that.
1: Okay. So can you give us that link, uh, Arun? I will do one thing. Message you that link. Yeah, okay. So um, in that case, uh, that's the end of this interview. Thank you so much for talking to me. And you know, sharing this time with me, talking to me about your life. Um, any last closing thoughts? How how was this process for you? No, that's about
2: it. I I, I thanks a lot, but I, don't, I, I as you can see, right? Probably have other interviews, but I am a teacher, so i comes out the way I you know speak, I might be a little um, you know uh, pontificate. I don't like. It. But I also always like to tell that, look, I'm telling my life story, hmm. right? And, uh, you know, you can pick whatever you want from that, right? So yeah. it's left up to the audience to see if there is something that kind of them and uh, they pick up from that. But thanks a lot for asking me the questions. It was very interesting to do this.
0: And that's it. That's the conversation I had with Arun. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love any of your feedback wherever you're listening to this. I will make sure to check it out. I gave myself some feedback because this was the first time I recorded a podcast conversation and it went fairly long. So I've thought about how to make it more consumable and easier for me to edit down into the text version of this post and that'll come in the weeks to come. So I hope you will be there with me on this journey. Thank you again for listening in and I